Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. And welcome back to Wedding Romance, where we get to talk about all things romance, Landia, books, authors, other things. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, July 7th, 2022. <laughs> we are. You know what I realized, though? That if anybody is listening to this book or this episode the, the day it comes out, it will be 7-Eleven. It will be. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. I haven't seen a 7-Eleven in years. Are they still a thing? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. There's a few here. It's entirely possible that there are like nine in my neighborhood and I just haven't noticed. (laughs) So to be clear, I don't know that there's like a dearth of 7-Elevens in the Pacific Northwest. It might just be that I don't pay enough attention. So. Well, I can tell you that in the area where you used to live in D.C., all of the 7-Elevens got knocked down for gentrification. So <laughs> so that may be part of the reason that I uh, have not seen one in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look for them here in Bellingham, Washington. I'll keep you posted. All right. Uh, how are you, Jess? I'm, I'm doing all right. I am in, enduring the screaming of the cicadas. Which maybe you hear, maybe you don't. It depends on how much our awesome audio editor has decided to try to (laughs) remove an endless screaming. I mean, I think mostly if you hear noises on my end, they're either trains or seagulls. So... (laughs) That's uh, that's about where we are. I think I think these these are as good of summaries of our lives at the moment as really we can offer anyone. Yeah, if you're if you're from Arizona or I think half of the South, cicadas are annual creatures. Where I am from D.C. and cicadas come like every seven years. So even though I've lived yeah. here for seven years and I hear them every summer, it's still overwhelming. <laughs> it feels like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, I'll give you some happy news. And that is this. You, or someone you know, could come and work at Book Riot. <laughs> I mean, maybe not you because you live in Arizona. So yeah. the, it is a, so we're hiring an editorial operations associate that is different from the job that we talked about on the last episode that we were talking about last month. There's a whole new position. So if you looked at that one, felt like it wasn't right, take a look at this one. It is a... There are geographic places you can work, but because of a variety of laws and whatnot, there are specific places. So it is, you know, remote. It's just you got to work in certain places. Yeah. If you love getting into the nitty gritty of behind the scenes work, you can come help Book Riot run their uh, metaphorical content trains, keep them running smoothly. You would work with the EdOps team to support editorial and the Book Riot writers. And as always, Book Riot is committed to building an inclusive workforce and strongly encourages applications from women, individuals with disabilities, and people of color. The posting closes, you got a little time, you got to apply by August 8th. 
And I will put the link in the show notes. It is bookriot.com slash join us. And again, that's an editorial operations associate. Honestly, if you just Google that, you'd probably find it, but you don't have to. I put it in the show notes. So that's the best. That's that's the good news I have for you this week, Jess. I mean, we've got we've got some good, good news. And that's true, actually. I think this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, do you want to tell me what you're reading? Absolutely. So I am listening to Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola, courtesy of Libro FM. Thank you for the advanced listening copy, even though it came out last week. <laughs> and, you know, you're keeping caught up. You're on trend. I'm trying. Honey and Spice is a campus romance. It's Bolu Babalola's debut novel, and it features uh, Kiki, a big woman on campus who does a radio show. I think it's every week. And uh, she does an episode about the new guy on campus who seems to just be breaking hearts left and right. And he confronts her about it. But also she, in a moment of um, sheer desperation, she tells him to kiss her. And eventually they are going to be pretending to be in a relationship. Oh, you love a fake relationship. I do. For each of their own gains, they both have like things that they're working on that they think pretending to be together will help them with. So I haven't gotten to that part yet. I just know that it's going to happen because it's in the book description. But it's it's so great on audio. The character is British Nigerian. The narrator is British Nigerian. And she just does the audio so well. And I'm sure that the, the text version of it is just as good um, because it's it, it probably just jumps right off the page. But I'm really enjoying it. And I can't wait to get to the part where they clash like mad. Da-da-da. <laughs> Da-da-da. Well, that sounds delightful. I am actually also reading a book that is, well, mine actually has not quite come out yet, but it's coming out later this month. Um, and that is Not Again by Kiwana Jackson, who sometimes writes under the name, I think, K.M. Jackson. I don't mm-hmm. know the difference. Like, I don't know whether, you know, some authors will write under one name for like historical and the other for contemporary mm-hmm. or like erotic romance versus contemporary romance or whatever. So I actually don't know that about Kiwana Jackson. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, we could sit around and talk about it, or I could do something much more interesting uh, and tell you about the book, which is it's the second book in the um, Real Men Knit series. And the first, I really liked the first a lot. It came out in 2020. And so I've actually been kind of keeping an eye out for this book for a while. This is the second brother in the series, Lucas. The series, I'm guessing, is going to focus on four brothers whose adoptive mother has recently passed away and left them a knitting shop. And Lucas already, like I'm 20, 25% of the way through this book, from the first chapter, you can feel how much Lucas really genuinely like has the weight of the world on his shoulders, like in a way that he feels sort of obligated to be the good guy and obligated to be the good brother and obligated to be featured in a New York fire department charity calendar that he feels (laughs) a little bit weird about. And so he is just struggling. Honestly, he's having a rough time. He's not really talking to anyone about it. And his high school love interest has moved back to town. 
Uh, and specifically, she is working in a laundromat down the street. And it is kind of like a how the mighty have fallen sort of situation. She was in a marriage in, I believe, the D.C. area. Lots of money, lots of like social media posing and Instagram, whatever. And like, you know, she was sort of the queen of their gated community and all of this. And she found out that her husband was cheating on her and her daughter, her nine-year-old daughter was not doing great. And so she walked away, but she didn't really tell anyone why or explain any of it. And, you know, uh, as it turns out, they they reconnect, such as it is. <laughs> so I, like I said, I'm not super far into it, but I am very excited to get to go back to this world. It's it's a version of New York that I am not super familiar with. I don't, you know, know a ton about Harlem. And I just, I, yeah, I really like this family. I like the community. I love a lot about these books and I'm excited to get all the way through it. So that is, again, not again. <laughs> that is not again by Kawana Jackson. <laughs> There's you can a see K. Where that was, I was so. kind of set up to fail there. That's not on me. <laughs> all right. Before we jump into... The next segment, should we pause? Yes, let's. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Albachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away with Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Okay, so Jess, uh, for our next part of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about a trope. We decided, you know, we'd do a, another deep dive on a on a romance trope that is beloved by many. I'm going to let you start it out because it generally is not beloved by me, but I think I might be coming around. <laughs> wow. I know. Okay, we're going to talk about that. We'll come that back later. to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, we are going to do, like like Trisha said, a deep dive into a trope because 
Everybody likes to, like, actually discuss tropes every once in a while. Everybody being me. I don't know about anybody else. And this one popped up because this is actually the first one that I discussed with my brand new, but not actually because it started before the pandemic romance book club in in Tucson. And that is Enemies to Lovers. Enemies to Lovers. Enemies to Lovers. Yeah. It's a, I would say some common, like sort of well-known titles would like Pride and Prejudice is kind of an enemies to lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Some people would call it the original. Ooh, are you one of those people? Well, you you gotta think about the fact that Jane Austen really liked Much Ado About Nothing. So Ah, look at you. That's kind of the original original. Yeah, that's a deep cut. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I will tell you, so we can jump into this, you know, full steam ahead. I honestly, I think part of what has always held me up about enemies to lovers is that I just like people to be nice. Yeah. Right? And like, mm-hmm. I the tension in an enemies to lovers can frankly make me kind of uncomfortable, right? Like I, there's a part of me that's like, if you don't like that person, just stop being around them. You can make other friends. But also, sometimes an Enemies to Lovers book is a forced proximity book, right? Like mm-hmm. Battle Royal by Lucy Parker that I read earlier this year is that was when I first started to see my think to myself, oh, wait, maybe I could get into this. Mm-hmm. Because as much as the tension was very stressful, watching the couple overcome it also, I admittedly found very satisfying. Absolutely. And, you know, like, it it's something that I think partly is the fact that we have named this trope enemies to lovers, and people feel like they have to really make people hate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, like, you know, people have started calling it rivals to lovers, or hate to love, or hating to dating, um, which might better convey something that isn't set during, like, a literal war or in a fantasy world where certain populations are literal enemies. Because, mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine in our contemporary world having an enemy, like, someone I literally hate with every fiber of my being for some reason in part because i can't imagine like actually hating someone it's either i like you or i don't care about you at all apathy apathy to lovers why don't we have that (laughs) like and actually falling in love with them like i can't Mm -hmm. like that's one of the reasons that i don't read across the aisle romances because like i can't imagine meeting a person And them staying the way that they are and me falling in love with them. Yeah, you mean across the political aisle, right? Yes. Not everybody has the uh, DC inside the beltway knowledge that you have, Jess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think and I think that's the thing. So what is it to you? um, So if you if it's a thing that you can't imagine, and we have talked a million times about Mm -hmm. the fact that People who read romance are not necessarily trying to project their own lives into romance. <laughs> In fact, I think the majority of people who read romance are not trying to do that. Yeah. So so I, I can fully recognize that those two things can exist separately. But what is it about... Because if I'm not mistaken, this is a trope that you tend to enjoy. Is that right? 
I do. I really do like it. And I like it. It's like there's something about reading a story, like if if the whole question behind romance is who are these people and why can't they be together? Mm-hmm. Going through the journey of these people, figuring themselves out, figuring each other out, fixing whatever is the problem, and then doing that enough that they can fall in love is great. And sometimes, you know, it's a misunderstanding. Like, book lovers, you you actually see the catalyzing event where they don't like each other, or at least you think from the narrator's perspective that they don't like each other because it's a single point of view. Mm-hmm. But they were both just having a really bad day when they met. So, like... Um, I think somebody called it bad first impressions to lovers. Like, maybe that's, Mm -hmm. like, because I love Pride and Prejudice, (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. that's that was the impetus for me being like, oh, I really like it when they clash from the start, and then somebody has to fix it. Either somebody has to change, somebody has to clear some stuff up, or somebody has to realize that, you know what? It's not so bad. (laughs) So... Yeah. But they, you know, but they both have to be, like, legitimately good people for this to be a thing. Sure. Well, and that's why it's interesting that you mentioned the soul POV, because I, or, you know, like the single narrator, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I think most often, I will say at least for what I read, probably 75 to 80 to 85, most of the time, frankly, the books that I read have dual perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get one male character or one main character's perspective and then the other main characters and blah, blah, blah. I think the ones that you only have one character's perspective are particularly interesting with an enemies to lovers or like a rivals to lovers or a, in the one I'm about to talk about, I think it's kind of just like a not friends to lovers, yeah. like a two people that did not hit it off at all to lovers. And that's well met by Jen DeLuca. Uh, and you only get the Emily's perspective, right? This is a Ren Faire book. And she kind of thinks immediately that Simon, who ends up being the other main characters, kind of hates her or like just doesn't like her or doesn't. It's, there's a little bit of pride and prejudice in this one too. Like that he thinks she's, he thinks he's too good for it or whatever else. And because you only see her perspective, it makes it easier, I think, to make the not friends to lovers or enemies to lovers, whatever you want to call it, more believable, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not seeing that he is thinking the whole time, like, oh, isn't she lovely? Like, I'm very excited about this person. And I don't think I'm better than her. And I just have a lot of baggage of my own. Blah, blah, blah. Right? So I don't know. Does that matter for you at all? Like whether you can see both perspectives? I think it kind of does. Because I am heavily drawn to single perspective romances. Like I didn't realize that was what it was. That was like making me love a certain group. Like all of these books in a row. And it was like, oh, wait, they're only from one point of view. And that really gives you a different story. Like... Mm -hmm. The Soulmate Equation by mm-hmm. Christina Lauren, that's kind of like hate to love. And you only get her, per- the character's name is Jess. You only get Jess's perspective. Uh-huh. And all you know is that she is really annoyed by this guy. Annoyance to love. Like even even that. Yes. Like you don't, you don't know anything about how he feels about her until they start to interact more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like 
there are all of these misconceptions that you have about a person. Like, let's go with the actual book that's called Enemies to Lovers, which is mm-hmm. amazingly meta by Asher Glenn Gray. And it is a fandom novella. So like the mm-hmm. the narrator is in fandom and she absolutely like she calls this other person her nemesis, even if the other fandom person doesn't even know she exists because she like totally tore apart one of her stories and the corner of fandom that she lives in. And then they meet in person and it's like, I can't like you. Like we sure we have amazing chemistry, but I cannot like you because you did all of these things and you have no regrets about them. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this the story moves on and they figure they figure their stuff out. Like they they talk it out. Like maybe maybe that's why I like enemies to lovers cuz eventually somebody has to talk some stuff out. If it doesn't yeah. have a situation in which things are cleared up or people are like, "You know what? You handed me my ass and I've changed." Huh. Mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice. You handed me my ass oh. and I've changed. Um, Look, the, I feel like, like that might be a legitimate quote from the <laughs> book. Like, Darcy, just like 80% of the way through. Yeah. So I I think that's the thing, right? Like, if you only have one narrator, then you are stuck in that person's head with them. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it, maybe it's a little bit more satisfying when they have those conversations because they're kind of, the second character is sort of having the conversation with you in addition to having it with the first main character, because that's the mm-hmm. only perspective that you have. Yep. I will say, too, this is not quite the same, but I think I find the redemption angle of it at least as satisfying and maybe even more satisfying than Enemies to Lovers. I really like when someone goes from villain to lover. Mm. It usually happens over the course of a series and not a book, right? So Two Rogues Make a Right. The, the Seducing the Sedgwick series by Cat Sebastian is a good example of this, that one of the characters in that book was actually kind of a villain in book one. But by the time you get to book three, you realize that some of the things that he had been kind of accountable and sort of continues to blame himself for were not fully his fault. Mm. Or, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Delilah Green doesn't care uh, in a minute. But um, that's another book where one of the main characters... No, not one of the, like one of the supporting characters in that book is kind of a villain for a chunk of that book. And then like actual spoiler alert now, <laughs> you find out that uh, she that there is also a pretty massive and frankly, really hurtful and long time misunderstanding. And that character happens to be one of the main characters in book two in the series. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I I'm coming around on enemies to lovers or or whatever we want to call it, not friends to lovers, etc., rivals to lovers. But I think I am fully on board with villains to lovers happening over the course of a series. Like I said, it's hard to do it in one book. Well, I mean, you can kind of do it in one book if said book is uh, paranormal. Yeah, fair. Like, maybe not quite like I.D. I kidnapped you and because we're fated mates and now... Now I love you. I mean, that literally did happen. But it's mm-hmm. like, and, you know, like Cressley Cole and people, well, actually, sure. IAD is Cressley Cole, but I was thinking about her mafia books, which kind of have this. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Yes. <laughs> um, There's so many rabbit holes. But like, I read Lucy Eden's The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. 
which is about a literal werewolf. But I think that one might also have only one narrator. I can't remember. That might be alternating. It's been a while since I've read it. Um, and I was kind of in a chemo blur. Um, but sure. they, they like... She meets him and is immediately turned off because of his attitude. And then later, slight spoiler alert, you find out that he had to shut down everything because every, like, werewolf bone in his body was like, mate, mate, Mm -hmm. that's my mate. And he was like, no, leave this poor woman alone. We have other things to do. So, like, there was a reason for their, like, immediate clash (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. like, absolute need to not be near each other, to not be friendly, to be completely against each other at the start. But then things change and people learn things about each other. And then we have a nice little story. (laughs) So what do you know? People learning, people changing. nice people learning people changing yeah uh well so i think it's yeah it's fair to say that i am i'm not all the way there i'm starting to come around if you jess or other folks out there have rivals to lovers enemies to lovers oh actually you know what's probably a villains to lovers book is that perhaps you recall the last episode we talked about the beast by katie robert Ah. and ursa who was a villain in that book if i am not mistaken is a main character in one of the next books in that series. So... I believe that is correct. Perhaps I should be diving back in to the Disney Crime Lords series. That's mm-hmm. not what it's called, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Essentially, it's that. Um, so anyway, I would be... I don't know, Jess, if you have favorites that you would shout out right now. We didn't talk about it ahead of time, so it's okay if you don't. Or if you want to just let folks who are listening send me their favorite enemies to lovers books that uh, that I should consider as I start to dip my toe into a trope that for many years I have thought was not for me. Well, if you want something that is the most technical version of Enemies to Lovers, and you have a mind for fantasy right now, Mm -hmm. A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Millivane is literally Enemies to Lovers. Like like, Like I mentioned at the top, like they are on opposite sides of warring factions sure in this in this universe in this fantasy universe um but it's not like they personally immediately hate each other they have clash because neither of them trusts the other but they get over that pretty quickly all right i feel like you've talked about that one before time to bump it up my tbr yeah there is a bloody expletive deleted in that one so just be prepared i will be ready and the other enemies to lovers uh words of wisdom that you want to leave with folks today if you think of it less as enemies to lovers and more as i hate you i love you or Mm -hmm. even i don't like you i love you Mm -hmm. you might be able to get over the hump a little faster i appreciate that and i will certainly take recommendations from anyone else who might have them out in the greater when and romance community just let me know uh and i will report back so let me know what you think and uh we'll we'll share a few speaking of things actually that we're going to share after this break we are going to talk about our favorite books of 2022 so far and some of yours 
Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Team. In a world where the children of the gods inherit their powers, a descendant of the Greek fates must solve a series of impossible murders to save her sisters, her soulmate, and her city. Descendants of the fates are always born in threes. There's one to weave, one to draw, and one to cut the threads that connect people to the things they love and to life itself. And the Aura sisters are no exceptions. There is Eo, the youngest, who uses her fate-born abilities as a private investigator, but her latest job leads her to a horrific discovery. Somebody is abducting women and setting the result wraiths loose in the city to kill. Now, the second book in the series, Hearts That Cut, will be on sale June 18th, 2024. This is a must read for all Greek mythology and fantasy fans. This is dripping with atmosphere, edged with danger. Threads That Bind weaves together a gorgeous dark tapestry of mystery, faded romance, and modern myth. You won't be able to put this one down. And that comes from Alexandra Bracken, New York Times bestselling author of Lore. So make sure to pick up Threads That Bind by Kitsa Hatsapolu. And thanks again to Penguin Teen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surrounds St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, Jess, believe it or not, it is 7 Or actually, I guess when we're recording, it's 7-7, which is also kind of fun. Yeah. It might be lucky. It might be lucky. I mean, it sounds like maybe not for you with the cicadas, but for some people, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, so far, it's I'm knocking on wood. So far, it's been a pretty good day. So let's keep it going, even with the cicadas. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got like 15 more minutes. We'll see what <laughs> we can do. <laughs> uh, before we get into some of our favorite books of... The year so far, I did ask all of you, or those of you who follow me and are on Instagram regularly, which, side note, this is definitely a tangent for another time, but my Instagram has changed to whatever this new, like, dark mode TikTok situation is, and I hate it. And I hate it so much that I'm spending vastly less time on Instagram than I used to, but I am still trying to watch my stories. So anyway, uh, okay. again, that's a rant for another time, but if anybody needs somebody to commiserate with, don't hesitate to let me know. Rant over. Um, okay, so we asked you, I asked you what some of your favorite romances of 2022 so far were. I don't think that we have time to mention all of them. And actually, a couple of them are books that Jess and I are going to talk about. So it's nice to be in your good company. Mm -hmm. I will also say we have not read all of these. And so 
as much as, of course, we trust the greater when in romance listening community, we can't necessarily vouch for all of these books, but we thought you might be interested in what each other are reading and really enjoying. So mm-hmm. um, Something Wilder by Christina Lauren came up a few times. And actually, that's a book I just read within the last couple of weeks and almost certainly we'll be talking about at some point on the podcast as well. I like that one a lot. Hunt the Stars by Jesse Mahalik, I think is how you said I should pronounce that name. Chef's Kiss by TJ Alexander. We saw The No Show by Beth O'Leary, which may or may not be a romance. I thought somebody told me it wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> Love and Other Disasters by Anita Kelly. We saw a couple of mentions of Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Let's see. Devon and Chris plan a wedding which actually I might have spoiled that because uh, you might be talking about that one. <laughs> um, and like I said, I, we can't get into all of them. Somebody did mention Sonali Dev's The Wedding Setup and uh, Allie Hazelwood's novella series, which is a good reminder that there have also been some really good short story and novella romances that have come out already this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so thank you for every to everybody who... Oh, and who... Um, do you remember what we got in email? Oh, yes. Somebody um, emailed us about So This Is Ever After by F.T. Lukens, which is a YA rom-com and is also fantasy. So we'll we'll have to check that one out. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all for contributing and also for making Jess and my TBRs longer for the rest of 2022. Extensively. Yes. Yeah. It's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> So what, I mean, getting kind of into that, like I said, Jess, I inadvertently spoiled, I think, one of your picks. But what what are you liking so far in, in this year? Well, since we're talking about it, let's talk about Devon and Chris <laughs> Plan a Wedding by Chelsea. Sorry. <laughs> I think we all just loved it so much that I forgot that it was even on a list. Yeah, it's it's delightful. So Chelsea Higgins is, Devon and Chris is her first traditionally published novel came out with Karina Adores um, in January, but she's written several books um, and published them on her own, and they're all delightful. You should just read everything that she's written. But this particular one drew my eye, not only for the amazingly adorable cover, but because it is a reality show romance. And we've talked about how I have no idea why I like reality show romances when I do not watch reality TV, except like Great British Bake Off. But (laughs) it's how you get your reality show fix. I think that's nice. There you go. It's how I get my reality show fix by by reading fictional reality shows so that I know that everything will be okay. Um, But this one is a very interesting reality show concept in which random people are paired together and have to pretend for six weeks that they're getting married. And the people who make it to the end of that six weeks without anyone in their family calling shenanigans wins. So Devon is there, It wants to use the show to come out to her family because she's been holding um, the fact that she's a lesbian in for a really long time. And Chris wants to use the show not only to boost their their position as an influencer, but she is also really interested in finding the love of her life. And it is adorable yeah. and so That's precious. Um, and they're paired together. And... Uh, they like they just 
the whole thing with this book, it's so soft and so lovely. And even though there's anxiety about families and like, you know how I feel about deception. Yes. So that kind of, I was worried that I wasn't going to enjoy it as much because the two of them are deceiving their families for the whole thing. Um, but some kind of way I got over it. Um, be, maybe because, you, you know, you do what you got to do. I love Devon and Chris so much as people and their families. Their families are amazing and lovely and warm. And the Spanish is not italicized or translated half the time. And it's just great. I just love this book so much. You should all read it. And it's, you know, it has some conflict, but it's very squishy. (laughs) So. That, yeah, that one I think is going to hopefully end up it should if, if it has not yet it should end up on a lot of the best of 2020 lists of 2020 what year are we in 2020 the best of 2022 <laughs> uh, boy this has been the longest year in the history of time <laughs> remember back in january of 2020 um, um yeah that, that i genuinely do think i hope that that book ends up on a lot of the best of lists of the year because that one is just a delight and speaking of books that are delightful that we also already have mentioned, um, I just recently within the last few weeks have read Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake, who I think maybe Ashley Herring Blake is a YA author. Yes, yes, she I is. don't know. I yeah, I hadn't read anything by her. I read a uh, girls girls made of stars, something like that. Um, so amazing, but very traumatic. <laughs> Well, and I will say, I don't read a ton of YA, but if it's anything like this book, and it sounds like maybe it's not because this book is not traumatic, (laughs) I would read more of it. I loved this book. I don't know, I don't even remember exactly why I picked it up and started reading it, but it is so delightful. So it's the story of Delilah, who uh, doesn't care, as you know, per the title, (laughs) Um, but secret, secret spoiler, she actually does care. So she lives in New York. She is a photographer. She's... You know, she's scrappy. She's had some success, not a huge amount. And she has been offered $15,000 by her stepsister and her stepmother to come back to a small town in, I want to say Oregon, it's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, to (laughs) photograph her stepsister's wedding. And she's hesitant to do it because she and her stepsister do not have a good relationship. They're sort of like a Cinderella Wicked Stepsister situation. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Delilah's father died shortly after. Actually, he married Astrid, who's the stepsister's mother, and and things did not go well. You know, it was a really lonely and difficult childhood. But Delilah really needs the money. So she goes and she's very hesitant too because Astrid, her stepsister's friends, Claire and Iris, were always really terrible to her. Or at Mm. least she thinks they were. And it's more complicated than that because she sees Claire. Claire is hitting on her in the local bar without realizing who she is the night Delilah shows up. And as it turns out, they really hit it off. And Claire is um, a divorced mom. She's bisexual. So she was previously married to a man and has a daughter. and, And she is having a little bit of a hard time trusting her former husband to... Actually, I'm not sure they were married, but her former partner to care for their daughter. So she is trying to figure her stuff out. Delilah is trying to figure her stuff out. There's a lot of baggage that's really based in the past. I will tell you, this book does contain, I know this is kind of a turnoff for you, Jess, like pranks and sort Uh. of some nonsense. It is not directed at either of the main characters. It is directed at Astra's terrible fiance. He is the worst. Everyone hates him from the beginning. 
which is why Astrid ends up being the main character in the next book in the series. Huh. So I won't go into it any further than that, but it was just, it was compelling. It's feelingsy, but not so feelingsy that it is not still, I mean, feel, there's a time and a place for feelingsy books, of course, but this one had, I felt like the exact right amount of froth and feelings mm-hmm. to just be really, really compelling and lovely. And again, that is Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. Awesome. Yeah, that one, that one's been on my list for what feels like a million years, but only a few months because... I don't know. If we're still in 2020. Who's <laughs> to say what time is? All right. Yeah. Um, so one that I've, I've maybe talked about on the show before is A Brush With Love by Maisie Eddings. And one of the ways that you know that a book is one of your favorites of the year is that you constantly think about it. And this is a book that I had a print copy of it, but I actually ended up listening to it. And maybe that's why it made, it had so much of a lasting effect on me. It is a dual point of view, actually. I just realized it has two narrators. And it is a dentist book. Like, who Ooh. expected me to be into a dentist book? But um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you said Brush With Love, I totally thought painting, even though I'm sure you've talked about this book before. <laughs> dentist is even more clever. Yeah. So, like, Harper and Dan are two dental students. She's in, in a higher year, and he's a first-year dental student. And they have very different goals and reasons for being in dental school. Harper is, like, going to be the greatest oral surgeon ever. She's going to change lives. Um, She's been working at this her whole life. She's very, you know, she's that overachiever with very set goals who you realize has severe anxiety that she is pretending she doesn't have. Um, So, content note, there are scenes in which her anxiety is overwhelming it's even more so in the audio but so just like be prepared for that because i almost had an anxiety attack listening to it but she like she has she's like really into it and dan has come to dental school left like a really cushy finance job because his parents had a dental office what do you practice Practice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Practice is better. uh, A practice. His father died. His mother's floundering. And she's like, you need to join the family business. So he goes to dental school. He's going through the process. And they meet because she accidentally breaks a mold that he has spent hours building for one of his classes. And she's like, I'll help you fix it. I'm so sorry. And, you know, they they end up in a lot of situations where they find they're to end up together because dental school is very small and they eventually become friends. So this is one of those stories that doesn't fall into any of those categories. It's one of my favorites that has like a real meet cute, well, meet disaster. Mm-hmm. And you get to see the development of the relationship instead of they start the book hating each other or they start the book friends or they start to book somehow already knowing the other exists. 
So that's one of the things that I really love about this book is that, like, technically it's a friends to lovers book because they become friends, but they become yeah. friends. They meet in in the book instead of, well, what I was saying. So, yeah, A Brush with Love by Maisie Eddings. It's so wonderful and I want everyone to read it. And I'm really excited for her second book, although um, I have heard some things about a certain situation. So I will try to read that ASAP and let you know how I feel. ASAP being like this year. We're, let's be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> There's a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, all right. I will say the next, I try when we do these segments not to overlap with books that I've written about for Book Riot's best of 2022, whatever year we're in so far, like best of lists. Um, and so this is, uh, I hope Book Riot's list has come out by the time this does. Whatever. <laughs> uh, if it hasn't, you should look for Book Riot's best of 2022 so far, coming soon or has already come. Either way, find it because it is amazing. It's going to be a fantastic list. Mm-hmm. But the book that I wrote about for that list is Tanked by Mia Hopkins, Try to contain your shock. It is, as we've talked about, the third book in the Eastside Brewery series, which I think many of the Wooden Romance friends of the podcast very much enjoyed. I loved this book. I will say, as I think, Jess, you mentioned when you first mentioned this book, it deals with COVID head on, which Mm -hmm. is one of the things that I really, really liked about it. But I also understand that for some people, that will not be okay, right? Like, that's just not where you are right now. Totally Mm -hmm. get it. But I appreciated it, I think, because it felt so fitting with the way that Mia Hopkins has written this whole series, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are characters in this book that have been main characters in previous books that have lost parents and loved ones from COVID. There are, I mean, in this, the way that they talk about COVID is the same way that they talk about safe sex, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they talk about vaccination status and, you know... STI status, and there's discussion of taking COVID tests, you know, the morning of Christmas holidays or, or whatever else. And I I just really appreciate the way that Mia Hopkins is just so real in these books. There are also some of the main characters from some of the other books are struggling a little bit with things like postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. They are possibly going to lose the brewery that they have spent multiple years now building. And I just, I love so much how she turns on its head the idea that a romance has to be all fantasy, all Disney princesses, whatever. Mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate the way that Mia Hopkins kind of says no. Like, yeah, life is hard sometimes. And sometimes things are really rough and love still exists and is there. And to be very clear, she is by no means the only romance author that does that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you read Beverly Jenkins' historical romance, you find that like, yes, sometimes there are difficult times and also love exists there too. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it's a thing that you're less likely to see sometimes in contemporary romance and particularly some of the issues that these folks are dealing with, right? Like, Deanna, who's one of the main characters, is on the edge of getting laid off from her job. Partly because of COVID. She's great at it, but she's a social worker and or uh, she works. Yeah, she's essentially a social worker. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like that's it's so it's I don't know. I just really like the way that these books remind us that both things can be true, that sometimes life is really hard and sometimes there are really sad, terrible things that happen. And also love 
never stops existing in the world. So I loved Tanked by Mia Hopkins. I will also say, in addition to dealing with COVID, it is very steamy. Like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I would call this an erotic romance, but when we were talking last week about sort of, or last episode about where that bar is between like what's erotic romance and what's just like a very, very steamy, this one I think sits on the very, very, very steamy side because you don't need the sex for the, the story to happen, but boy, is there many, many fire emojis from this one. Yes. It just goes off the page. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What else you got? All right. So my, I'm going to wrap up with, well, not wrap up because you still have one more, but A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. Um, And Alexis Hall has like six books coming out this year. It's ridiculous. It's astonishing. Yeah. And this is his second one um, of the year. It came out in April or May, I want to say. And this is one that I also started listening to thanks to Libro FM. But eventually I was like, this isn't, this is taking too long. I, I need the book. So I finished it in print in part because I had gotten a shiny print copy of it and was like i have it in my hands i can just keep turning pages and this one is also pretty fluffy like it's dark but it's fluffy i don't know um anyway going back a few steps it's almost like there's a theme of how everything is going right now and what we might be looking to fiction for right um so when we first meet viola she is talking to her sister-in-law, who is the wife of the current Viscount, I guess. And Viola was once the Viscount, but she took advantage of coming close to death on the field at Waterloo to basically fake her death and come back to England as herself, the way that she had wanted to live for her whole life. What she didn't expect was how much her death would affect her best friend, the titular duke. But she hears that his sister has written to her sister-in-law to say that her, the, her bro- basically saying between the lines, her brother is in a very bad way. So they end up going to visit his sister, the duke's sister, but also he's there too. So <laughs> the two technically reconnect but she hasn't told him who she is yet and it gets a little Jane Airy like their conversations in the dark of night atop towers and in the moors and like it feels very like historic (laughs) and um and there are deep conversations between two people who don't know each other and it least one of them doesn't think that they know each other so there is that but the story progresses so much so that what minor transphobia is present in the story is sort of just like moved past which makes it a little fantastical but you know that's what we want (laughs) yeah so it's it's very sweet and it has its moments of, like, 
conflict and terror. Not terror. That's not a good word. There are swords involved at one point, just so you know. Like, there's that kind of conflict, too. But it's it's also not traumatic in the ways that you might think a historical romance with a trans woman main character could be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So it's it's a it's very soft for what it is. So I will stop rambling and tell you once again that that is A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. Well, I think that in a sign that the gods and goddesses are with us on Wooden Romance, we're running a little long, and I just realized that the third book I was going to talk about came out in November of last year. Ah! So it doesn't <laughs> quite count. I will put a pin in it to talk about it another day. Oh. And maybe I will even mention what it is. I'll tell you what, if, if enough of you send us a note and tell us what your favorite books that... I'll tell you what, you know what, honestly, tell us what your favorite books are that you have read this year, where mm. they are frontless, backlist, or not. We will rattle some of them off, and I will tell you what book I thought came out this year, but didn't, uh, that I was going to talk about because I really enjoyed it. And that is how we maybe can start our next episode. Excellent. That sounds great. I read a few books that came out last year that I was like, ah, darn. Um, Because I really liked I really thought this one came out in like February. It did not. It came out in November. So Uh, now we know. That's fine. Uh, But yeah, let us know what you've been reading, what you have enjoyed, uh, whether it is this year or last year or whenever. And also let us know where you are on enemies slash rivals slash etc to other <laughs> to lovers yes and a huge thanks as always to our wonderful fantastic talented probably magical audio editor jen zinc who might have been able to even erase some cicada sounds this week we don't know we don't know we don't know anything else that we want to hear from folks jess um no but tell us anything you want that we can do yeah. something about please not anything you want yes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to tell us about things we can't do anything about. But yeah, maybe focus on what we can. <laughs> and you can do that at the When in Romance email address. It is whenandromance at bookriot.com. I mean, I'm still going to be on Instagram because like at this point, it's sort of my only thing I have left, <laughs> even though I'm annoyed about it. Let me know if you also want to rant about the new uh, Instagram setup. But you can find me there at Trisha Haley Brown. And while Trisha slowly and slowly it decreases her social, you can find me in all the places. You can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading, all one word. At, on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And on TikTok at Jess underscore is reading. Because why be consistent when you can instead get what's available? When you can instead create some excitement for people. all right i think that is it for us for this time absolutely please rate and review the show it helps us do better things and until next time happy reading